So one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur is breaking out of that initial phase that you're in, going from level one to level two. It's about delegating. It's about growing as a leader. It's about working on the business, not necessarily in the business. And to me, it's about strategy. So I've brought one of my really good friends here today, George Morano, Dr. George Morano, to talk about strategic management and how entrepreneurs uh, can start to think strategically like big businesses. George, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Peter. What is strategic management and how can everyday entrepreneurs and leaders apply it in their life, in their work? Well, I mean, strategic management is basically the academic discipline of what we refer to as strategy. And it basically, in a nutshell, is the systematized and structured approach to achieving our goals and objectives. Um, you know, it sounds very, very simple in its description, but it's, it's multi-layered. But what it does do for leaders and entrepreneurs and so forth, it gives us a bit of structure around where we want to go and why we want to do that. So, I mean, there's a, it's, it's multifaceted. It's, uh, it's a, it's, as I said, it's a structured approach in how, um, you know, and how we want to achieve those goals and objectives. I guess I just I'll just uh, pick up on the structure. I think one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur and being a founder or a solo founder, or even if you have a co-founder, is that structure because you yeah. at the beginning you're so focused on getting things off the ground, making it work, and you become your own structure. But when it comes to a point where you have to implement a structure, yeah. how do you actually do it? Yeah, I mean you 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 almost have to have an out out what I call an uh, out-of-body experience where um, if you don't have help, which is very hard for, for many entrepreneurs, you know, in the, you know, because resources are tight, you have to almost force yourself, right? Yep. To look at yourself as a third person, right? And, uh, and, and be as, and try and be as objective as possible uh, and start to structure and frame what needs to be done. I mean, and you're right in that sense, you know, it's almost like, uh, yeah, it's almost like a, a rocket ship, you know, it's the hardest, the hardest part in the trajectory is the actual liftoff itself. Yeah. Right? yeah. But it's that liftoff part that needs to go up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a vertical straight line. Right. And then it can kind of deviate however it wants to. And what the, what strategic management does is it has a whole bunch of tools and theories and frameworks that allows us right, to structure what we're doing and why we're actually doing it. So tools, frameworks, sounds very academic. Uh, you, yes. are, you are an academic, which is great. That's why I've, I've brought you here. Um, academia has its beauty, but to a lot of entrepreneurs, we may have run away from corporate PTSD. We may have run away from um, institutions and we're kind of like, you know, in the war that is business. How does strategy in academia differ to strategy in the business real world? And yeah. how can they work together rather than work in conflict? Yeah, look, and that's a really good question because as you know, I straddle both sides. I have a consult, you know, I have a consulting business. Uh, I teach at Sydney University's business school and I've been an entrepreneur myself. You know, I went into went into university for the you know for the first time after 15 years of work. Right? However, academia 
and where it gets lost and you know where 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 the corporate world or even entrepreneurs get lost is because academics are outsiders looking in into the business world and they're looking at it objectively yes they 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 study phenomena let's say for instance change management strategy leadership uh, entrepreneurship and so forth they they collate all this information they come up with theories, frameworks, tools, guides, and so forth, which are fantastic, right? Which are which are almost akin to the recipe of a cake, mm. right? However, what they don't take into consideration is individuals and individuals' behaviour, skill sets, motivations, you know, just their timing in life, right? And their experience as well. So you have to you take those. Right? Uh, you're, you know the the objective is to take those frameworks and superimpose it over what it is that you're doing. But you also need to be mindful, right? That each individual that does that will come out with a different different set of circumstances. Academics are only there to just provide you with that. You know the onus really, and the and the competitive advantage for entrepreneurs and leaders is to be able to absorb that information and use it to their benefit, right? Just like a recipe in a guy, you know, in a cookbook or, or, you know, using Google Maps to direct us on where we want to go. But, you know, it's from an academic perspective, you know, they can't, they can't, they can't take in those, those individual behaviors and skills. I like the analogy um, of the cook. Uh, you've got, you know, a cook that knows how to cook. They've been in the kitchen for five years. They don't read recipes. And then yeah. you've got the cookbook, which is fantastic. And yeah. I think what we'll talk about in this conversation is, is the power of combining the two, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be this or that. You know, you can be a great cook. If you use the recipe book, you can be a fantastic cook. Back to entrepreneurs and, and leaders, what are some practical ways if I'm listening to this as an entrepreneur and I've built a business, I've got, you know, a couple of million dollars of revenue a year. I've got a team, um, a dozen, 10, 20, 30 people, but I want to become the best in my market. I want to build a billion dollar business. How can I start to implement strategy today without yet going into the academic side? What are the common things that you think entrepreneurs miss um, to take them from, you know, five, $10 million to a billion dollars, on the, on the strategy front. Yeah, and that's that's an excellent question, Peter, and one that um, one that confronts many, many individuals. First of all, you're going to have to want to be like that and understand the challenges that also come with it as well. Uh, you know, when it comes to scaling and growing businesses and so forth, it's not really for the faint-hearted, right? Mm. Um, you, you, you know, ideally you... You're, you're, you have to expect that you, and this is one of the, and, and I speak with regard, you know, personally as well, is, is that you're going to have to start giving up what, it, you know, the things that you like and the things that you need to do. You need to start delegating uh, and start trusting people. Right? Yep. Take in right, people's mistakes. Yep. You're going to have to be patient and allow people to grow. Yep. Um, you're also fundamentally wanting an organization that learns on its own, mm. right? And sell this journey to everybody, right? Now, some people might in the organization want to come on board. Some people might not, right? 
you know this is the and 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 i think communication is really one of the fundamental aspects with regards to organizations and scaling up communicating internally there's a great emphasis on marketing to our clients and customers and potential but internally as well right you know my philosophy really uh you know not only from a strategy but not only from the consulting perspective but also my own personal strategy is is that if you look after the inputs the outputs take care of themselves and that and that those inputs are our staff right? first and foremost how do we strategically start to think about our staff, our team? How do we shift from the early days where you had to be involved in everything to a point where you want to let go, but you maybe can't because you don't have yeah. that confidence? How does strategy or strategic thinking help overcome those issues? Is it about going and getting different talent or is it all about the internal change? Well, the internal change is the first and foremost. And we understand that, you know, as entrepreneurs in a, in a micro business, you're actually straddled with doing all the functions of the business. And sometimes it's very hard to give up. However, as the individual, you know, the, you know, the onus is on you to first be able to release and delegate and understand that, you know, the person that you delegate this to might not, meet your standards of how you've done it. But however, it has to be done, mm. right? Otherwise, and it, and and that's also for the small teams as well that have, that have stuck by you, you know? But as you grow, you need to be able to communicate that as well. Our growth is reliant on people and those people require time and effort and our patience and understanding as they grow in their roles as well. So it's really a mindset first and also the communication because we know what we know what happens to organizations who don't and individuals who don't let go of those roles they basically just get drowned in work right mm. so so you have to you have to you know give it up basically how long do you think from your experience and from academia and your own you know corporate experience do you think it takes to go through that period where you come to the realization that I need to delegate, I need to move out, I need to bring people in, they might not be able to do things as good as I can do them, but I need to invest in this process. How long does that typically take from a micro business going to a, a mid-tier business? Yeah, uh, you know, I measure that on an individual's time and where it's taken. Um, if you're if you're spending more than say between say 60 and 70% of your time on tasks and routines and so forth, yep. then it's, you know, it's time to start thinking about delegating. 60%. Um, so 60% yeah. of your time on things that are maybe management, uh, managing rather than leading or growing. That's exactly right. And you need to be able to create a certain degree of what I call strategic flexibility. That is time, right? Time that you can allocate to maybe things that pop up, you know, client meetings, going out there, looking, you know, building networks, you know, doing stakeholder engagements and so forth, you know, or dealing with dealing with those black swan or the unknown aspects, or even if there's a, you know, or if there's a, a period of, you know, significant growth, 
where you don't have time to 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 to, to find staff, you know, in the short term, right? Or if somebody leaves, you know, you need to have that strategic flexibility. We, I think, the academic term for that is um, it's uh, slack resources, mm. right? Just like a, you know, the the slackness in a rope. Yeah, it kind of gives you that flexibility for stretching. So, so you need to have an, a, a, you know, you need to have a degree of that. And the more you go up the the organisational chart. And I mean, right to the CEO, the leader, the entrepreneur, you need to have a, 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 a significant amount of that. Right? And it also gives you time to think and reflect because as you go, as your, as your role is up there, you need to be doing less of the internal, as you said before, and more on the external. So, um, so you know, thinking strategically, thinking outwards, thinking about how it grows. How do you then move it to the next point where you do that, you implement it, you spend a few months, you find some great people that you can kind of invest in to take over you so you can free yourself up, but then creating a culture where the people below them or the people around them, um, that continues, that doesn't just stop because then you're going to have to jump back in, right? Yeah. And do it, do it all, all over again. So how do you build a learning and development or a leadership development or, or what's the actual term that you'd call that? Yeah, that is, uh, you know, that's a, you know, culture, first of all, is a top down. And it's not something you kind of put on paper, but it's, it's, it's actions that are viewed by the organization, right? You know, culture, you know, in its, in its simplest description is the way we do things. So you model, first of all, the, the, the key is to model that behavior and then enforce it as well. You can enforce it, you know, with, um, you know, uh, um, you know, programs such as mentoring, yep. training, development, uh, cross-skilling. You know, if you're an organisation that's small enough or or when you're an organisation that, you know, and this seems banal, but it's actually quite important. If, if, you're, a, if you're a business where everybody works on the same floor, yep. right? yeah, you get individuals to come and understand what this person does and what this person does and what this person does so that you can understand how they fit in the overall scheme of things. Right? And then if you build that, and, then, and as you scale, you still have that, 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 that knowledge of where my part is. Right? Ideally, you, you know, if you grow to a particular, you know, if you grow to a, you know, a huge size, you might not have, you might have departments. And this is departments that are kind of geographically dispersed. And this is where you kind of the, the the problem there is where you create those silos. However, you 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 have to have formal mechanisms so that you've got cross pollination between departments. And when you have that, that's where you get those efficiencies. We we have a culture where we outsource things that we're not specialists in. So we yeah. outsource our tax to our accountant. We yeah. sometimes outsource marketing to an agency, legal to a lawyer, but arguably strategy is the glue that holds it all together if you want to go to that next level. Do we have a culture issue in terms of people outsourcing strategy? Because it sounds a bit waffly. It sounds a bit opaque. 
Um, or do you think that's just the maturity of an entrepreneur? How do they go and seek that advice or bring that in so that they don't have to do that too, right? Because we're talking about delegating. How do you delegate that stuff, the strategy, the leadership development, the things that take you from micro um, to a bigger business? When it comes to the strategy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it as outsourcing. I'd consider it as more like a partnership where you have the strategy consultant that comes in, you know, once a year we'll do a strategic plan and then, you know, you know, have a three-month checkup to see, um, you know, how we're, how we're moving along with that strategic plan, what needs to be changed. Because remember that strategy, you know, even though strategy is internal, you know, there is this interplay between what we do in, from an organisational perspective and what are the changes in the environment. Right? So there's always that interplay but between the two. And you know, we're asked to, you know, in strategy, we're asked to be rigid right? and follow a particular line. But, you know, to put it in another metaphor, we need to think of strategy like sailing in the sense that, you know, it's a bit of a zigzag, right, mm. in order to achieve our goals and objectives. Because sometimes those goals and objectives change yeah. right? as the environment changes as well. But, you know, from a, from a consulting perspective, don't view it as outsourcing. View it as a complementary. And, you know, organisations and, and individuals in organisations, you know, we want to um, foster, harness and foster their skills of critical thinking and then collate those all together. You know, what, we all, what we only do is just kind of come, come along and just facilitate that critical thinking. You know, individuals in businesses, leaders in their, and, and the individuals in the business know their business really well. You know, from, a, from a consulting perspective, all we do is shine a light on what it is that they do. Yeah, that's a really good way to, to discuss it because you, know, you can outsource your tax because you're not supposed to become a tax expert. You can outsource your legal because the law is not your specialty, but the strategy and the hunger and the components and the DNA of your business are, are, are about you as the leader and the entrepreneur or the founding team. And sometimes they get stuck. Uh, so it's more of a partnership about bringing that expert in. So you're more like an extension to a team, right? Yeah, rather, than, rather than an outsource. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, without, without going into the confidentials of our other clients, we can see how um, other industries, other organisations who've, you know, in the past who've followed that trajectory, what they've done well, what the roadblocks are, and we're able to share that. That's where our skill, that's where our skill set comes in. What's the biggest, what's the biggest mistake from your vantage point that entrepreneurs and leaders do get stuck up on and that leads to failure? What are, what's the biggest red flag for you? Um, one of the biggest red flags that I see is, is that not prioritizing their time to be in that, in that space that gives them those slack resources. Um, and you know, giving yourself that flexibility in time is so important. Right? You know, to me, time, flexibility in time is like sleep in the evenings. If you don't get enough of it, you wake up drowsy and weary and so forth. Right? You need, and you need to have that. It allows us to reflect. It allows us to be. It allows us to to let the pieces fall together. You know, it's this, it, it, it's hard to describe, but it's, you know, our brains are like a black box. 
and you know, and because there's so many moving parts in the organizations we need to we need to give ourselves that time to think you know just a, a half an hour a half an hour coffee in a cafe away from the office and just staring into the abyss could give us you know could allow us some form of insight right so you know that's one of the things also and another thing also is the delegation delegation is the key Mm-hmm. And understanding that perfect is the enemy of good, right? Uh, you know, one other thing also is is that we also need to be realistic that nobody loves your business like you do, right? And that's the really the hard truth. Right? So be mindful of that. I think also um, there's three fantastic points, and I, I'm I'm thinking about myself also um, as I as I listen to these lessons for myself. I think another lesson that I've also learned is that you, you, no one loves your business as much as you do, but your business probably isn't as good as you think. And <laughs> you're, not as, you're not as good as you think. And there's always room for improvement, no matter how hard we've tried, no matter how much we think we know the answer to something, there's a sense of humility in standing back and having an accountability partner come in, having a different vantage point, someone unbiased shining that torchlight on you making yourself vulnerable but ultimately making yourself better yeah and that's a and the ability to uh, the ability to take objective criticism right uh, or somebody come in and say look you know this could be better you know i don't think this is right is a very it, it's a it's a skill that takes a bit of time mm. you know, to absorb right Especially if you if you've grown a business from zero to five ten million dollars, right? yeah, thinking wow I've done this, but yeah, the mo- you know your ability to take and there's some there's there's some who project negativity, and then there's some who actually have you know you know quite uh, you know the, the the feedback is what you might consider negative but is objective, you know you got to be able to discern between the two, right? Yeah. However, if you're able to take any of it in and not allow it to be personal, I think well, that's one of the it's one of the, one of the hugest advantages any leader can have. Now, there's two interesting things right over your shoulder. Um, there's uh, a beautiful Assyrian face, which we'll talk about later, um, and the importance of having that cultural preservation, and also a big stack of books. On the books first, what's a great book that someone listening to this can order off Amazon today? Um, read over the next month and start their journey into becoming a better leader, better entrepreneur, a better strategic thinker. Look, as an academic, I really can't, I can't, I can't do anything without actually kind of saying, you know, the undergraduate textbook, right? Um, you know, if you want to learn, I think, I think you start off as an undergraduate, right? As that 19-year-old in university, it's a very it's the book is quite big, but it's very simple. It starts off from the most basic of uh, you know, most basic elements of strategy, which is understanding what your mission and vision is. Now, these are two concepts that are kind of ubiquitous in the corporate world. But do many people understand those? Right? They understand the components of it and what it actually means. And this is a really good, and this is a really good start. However, also, and for the and for the leader, and for many other leaders and entrepreneurs, 
the Harvard Business Review has some really good books. Um, I was just, I've just finished reading, you know, Change Management. But if you get the box set, and excuse me, you know, the Harvard Business Review has this box set. And they're, and they're a great resource to have. They, um, they look good too. They make you look yeah, they, <laughs> they look good, but they're actually really, they're really, and, 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 and Harvard Business Review has done an excellent job in taking what is, you know, journals written by academics and for academics and produced it in a particular language that I think is absorptive and digestible to many people in business. Yeah. And it's written in a format with, with structure, with frameworks in those as well, right, in and around those particular topics, that if you're able to harness those, um, you know, they're, they're actually quite useful. Now, it's a little bit of insight from what we do. And, you know, what we do is not rocket science right? uh, from a consulting perspective because, you know, our work, right, our work and our delivery basically comes from a combination of all these. Yeah, the books are the information. Right? It's its implementation that, and and like I said, it, we we because we straddle both sides of it. For us, it's for us, it's you know, it's a lot more easier. Right? But however, you know, take on the Harvard Business Review. You know, an undergraduate textbook, and I think you're well on your way, right, to becoming more strategic. Now, I actually sent George uh, a little bit of a summary of our conversation today. We're, we're about to enter the last question, but I want to sneak one in, uh, if it's all right <laughs> with you. Um, you know, I touched on the point that George has got an awesome uh, Assyrian king statue sitting on his desk, and we're both Assyrians. We're proud Assyrians. Uh, we're, we're part of the community. We love our community. George, my question to you as, an, as a successful Assyrian academic and business person um, and someone who, you know, loves their community and has pride in putting, you know, your heritage on your desk. How can Assyrian business owners and Assyrian leaders be more strategic together in working together um, and in networking and in pursuing a common goal? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I think we need some, some sort of formal institution that kind of brings us together, but also acknowledge the fact that we're in a unique and precarious situation in that, um, you know, the diaspora is large and dispersed. Our homeland, um, you know, our population in the homeland is dwindling. We still have a presence there, courtesy of the church. However, the conditions are getting harsher and harsher, right? I mean, you know, the, the Middle East has always been a geopolitical hotspot for millennia, millennia, right? So... Um, we need to, uh, we need to, uh, as a community, really come together, right? and really see how we can all work together. Right? I mean, there's some fantastic individuals like yourself and so forth, right, who have done extremely well, who are, you know, who are productive members of the community, uh, and who can offer something to other members in the community as well. And I don't, I don't just say this from our community. I say this from all other ethnic communities as well. And I mean, this is the purpose of networking. And this is the purpose of many of those networking businesses and clubs and so forth that there's that there that that populate, you know, the landscape. So it's it's really important and an incumbent on us, really, as 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 a culture that arguably 
is one of the oldest in the world with with an with a language that's also one of the oldest in the world as well so I mean, we are we are we have a we have a burden and a responsibility to maintain that on general over the next few generations well i know you're working really hard on something um i'd love to have you back to talk about that more uh, in the foreseeable future um before we wrap final question um if you go back to george morano 15 20 years ago what advice would you have for yourself um and what would you tell yourself that you've learned that you didn't know, but that you now know? Yeah, that's a really good question and a bit of a curveball. Now, um, you know, I wasn't always the academic, right? And I certainly, you know, and people from 20 years ago would probably pass out uh, if they found out. However, what you know, there are a few things I would lo- I would love to tell myself 20 years ago. One of those would have been to to be focused. To be focused, uh, and then to be disciplined, right? understanding that you need to do the same thing over and over and over again. Right? The key to success, you know, it, it's like innovation. People talk about innovation, right? but you know, innovation comes from doing the same thing. You know, you know, it's that it's doing being disciplined and doing the same thing over and over again, and allowing the product of that to, you know, allowing that to sink in and for something to come out. You know, you know. Uh, Another thing also is is that um, be quiet, right? Be quiet, fly under the radar, do what you have to do, right? And then build, you know, there's that saying, um, talk quietly but carry a big stick, mm-hmm. yeah? So, you know, be quiet, do what you need to do, and then just build on yourself, right? Uh, and, you know, if you combine all three of those, you know, that's the that, – that's a that's a catalyst you know, for early success. Well, thanks so much for sharing that wisdom. Thank you very much for making a topic that's sometimes complex and large, um, very easy to understand, very easy to apply. Thank you uh, for sharing your insights to the entrepreneurs and leaders that are listening to this and needed to be told um, that sometimes they are the thing that's standing in the way uh, of growing their organization, growing their business. And um, thank you for shedding light into strategy and strategic management. Any final words? Um, thank you very much, first of all, Peter, for the opportunity. And, and you know, a strategy is not one of those things that you, um, that you do once. You know, you have to make it a way of life. You know? And we do strategy all the time. We do it consciously and subconsciously as well. So just, just be mindful of that, right? And just, and like I said, make it a way of life and then your life will become a little bit more simpler, right? Great words. Thanks, George. Thank you, Peter.